You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Beverly Isla. We'll be dedicating this show to two organizations that recently launched their mission and helping rescue dogs. And it's great to see more groups coming together for this purpose. Our first guest is Jeff Davidoff, Chief Marketing Officer of Donut. And Donut has partnered with the Pet Finder Foundation to create MyRescue.Dog. It's not a .com, it's .dog. And it's a new platform to help homeless dogs by funding shelters. And our second guest is Trisha Crowley, and her organization is called Rare for Rural Animal Rescue Effort based in Columbia, Tennessee. So when we get back from these messages, we'll talk with our first guest, Jeff Davidoff, on their MyRescue.Dog initiative. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Push. We are talking with Chief Marketing Officer of Donut, Jeff Davidoff, about their new initiative alongside Pet Finder Foundation. This initiative is called MyRescue.Doc. Thank you for coming on today, Jeff. My pleasure, Beverly. Thanks for having me. First off, congratulations on the launch of the website and its mission of helping shelters. Uh, it's an interesting domain, kind of a tongue twister because I'm used to saying .com. I'm like dot .dog. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about how this community works. Well, this community is really all about raising money for shelters who do great work every day, but as, as you know better than I, don't always have all the money they need. So this was yeah. a promotional site that we built in partnership with PetFinder Foundation. And the way it worked was you would post a picture of your rescue dog and a little okay. story, and that would trigger a $10 donation to the Pet Finder Foundation, or just vote okay. for your favorite dog, and each vote triggered $1 donation. And we were able, I'm very happy to say, successfully to hit our target of raising $100,000. The campaign ran from August 26th to September 26th, and this week will be an exciting week for us because we're going to be uh-huh. announcing our winners this week. Oh, Holy crap. So people really just, they're not donating anything. They're just simply doing activity on the website. Correct. What we want people to do is do the thing they already love, which is post pictures of your post. dog. I have to say, I put up two. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the only one. And we use those activities that people want to do anyway as a way to raise money for a good cause. Yeah, absolutely. That would be so easy. So who's footing up the bill, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> oh, so I'm the CMO from Donuts. And Donuts, uh-huh. at Donuts, we are the world's largest owner and operator of what we call not-com options. So you said at the not beginning, com. it was a little oh, bit okay. of a 
tongue twister, myrescue.dog, dot dog is one of the not com options that we own. <laughs> and we thought, what a great way to bring it to life by talking about rescue dogs and why not try to do some good at the same time, which is why we partnered with Pet Finder Foundation because they're real experts in this field. And when we were Yeah, not. they're huge. How did you guys even decide to come up with the idea? It was just a fun promotional idea. We were excited to have the .com .dog to begin with, and I have to admit, I'm a rescue dog owner myself. So oh, maybe good there was for you. A little, maybe there was a little selfishness in this. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we thought, let's attach this to something that people love, and also let's try and do some good at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you guys. And I do have to say, it, it turned out to be an amazing and beautiful site. As you scroll down this thing, there are, uh -huh. over, amazingly enough, over 20,000 pictures of rescue dogs were posted and over 500,000 votes were cast. And that Holy is about crow. 10 times what my highest hopes were. What kind of animals are, are being posted? Every single breed you could possibly imagine. I must say there are more dogs wearing sunglasses than I expected. Um, but besides <laughs> that, it really is every kind of dog you could imagine. And so I will say the, the stores yeah. are also wonderful. So it's only dogs, no cats? Correct. Correct. <laughs> enough, in, in the internet world, while you can buy a dot dog, you can't buy a dot cat. Because dot really? cat is actually, oh, it's actually owned by the country Catalonia. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there is some kind of crazy internet discrimination against cats, I guess. Ah, uh, we still love them though. <laughs> yes, we do. yes, we do. Where do you see um, my rescue dot dog dot dog? I'm just gonna keep saying it until it becomes natural. Where do you see my rescue dot dog going in the future? You know, it's such a great question. This week, right now, we're really just focusing on announcing our winners. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement around that. The dog that gets the most votes, that dog's shelter gets $25,000. And the then dog the that gets next, the most votes. Huh. Yes, the shelter from that dog gets $25,000. And the next top 15 vote getters, those shelters get $5,000 each. So we hope that'll do a lot of good for a lot of shelters. And after the uh, winners are announced, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. It, this turned out to be so much bigger and, and better than we had hoped. And there's lots of great pictures and really beautiful stories. And we're working with our friends at the Pet Finder Foundation to figure out what should be next. Uh, I'm going to have to grab some of those stories from you. <laughs> so there's yeah, a total of 40. 40 winners in total. Sorry, 16 winners in total. 16 One first winners. place winner and then 15 second All place Oh, right. Winners. 15. Wow. Well, you guys had a really big number in the first month, right? So yeah, I'm incredible. sure you guys can twist that in several ways yeah, for the future. <laughs> and how many rescue dogs do you have? Right now, one. We had our first rescue dog, Pico. And Pico is now in rescue dog heaven. And now we Aww. have Ella. And uh, Ella is a sweet lab pit mix who's just recovered from a little doggy ACL surgery. And she's back to 100%. And we were running like mad on the beach this weekend. Good for you for being <laughs> active. Now, oh, I forgot no, to ask. She makes me. Now, is my rescue dot dog? See, I'm still uh, tongue twisting here. Is it only in the States or are you guys involved in Canada? You know, this was only in the U.S. because the partner we chose, Pet Finder Foundation, was really a U.S. organization. But it's a great question. One of the ideas we we're kicking around right now is should we recreate this exact same idea in Canada, in the U.K., in Australia, in New Zealand? So stay tuned for that. Yeah, that would be amazing if you guys can uh, evolve that way. I didn't know Pet Finder was mainly U.S. Huh. Yeah, Pet, Pet Finder Foundation is really U.S. Oh, come on, you guys. Come up here. 
Well, thank you, Jeff, for your time. Again, congratulations, and I hope it reaches its goals 10 times over. Uh, if you'd like to learn more or participate, you can visit their website, and I will get this in the first shot, myrescue.dog. Thanks so much, Beverly. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Let's go to a quick break, and we'll return with our next guest after these messages from our sponsors. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Trisha Crowley, founder of the organization Rare, a.k.a. Rural Animal Rescue Effort, whose mission is to help animals in need that are in the rural areas. Hi, Trisha. Thank you for your creation of Rare. Thank you for having me. Now, it's been around for a while, but you have a new website you're launching, and that's great. And I see your mission is to help connect animals in need with fosters, adopters, or rescue organizations. How did you come to create Rare? Well, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and I was the vice president of a rescue up there. We had started pulling some dogs, um, you know, on transport to and actually adopting them up in um, in the Buffalo area and surrounding areas from rural West Tennessee from a few shelters um, that were outdoor shelters. And one specifically had over 200 animals at the time, including 147 dogs. In, in 2012, I actually came down to visit because I wanted to see it for myself that we only, only seen pictures and, and talked to the two wonderful ladies, uh, sisters that run Redfern, the shelter that I'm speaking about. So I came down and visited and it was complete culture shock. I was completely, you know, out of my element, but at the same time, I, I'm a workhorse and, and I wanted to get in there, get pictures and get, you know, descriptions and cat tests, dog tests 
all those things that it's so hard for these two ladies to get because they're running a shelter that they're taking care of all the animals all by themselves, including working two full-time jobs. So after I saw that, I really, really wanted to start helping the rural areas, knowing that not a lot of people know about these animals. They're in um, kind of isolated areas where there's a limited number of potential adopters. There are more people that don't value animals as, as much, and um, hmm. they either dump them, surrender them, they don't stay in neuter. So there's just an out. Um, overwhelming uh, amount of animals compared to the number of people that actually can get them home. This is in Tennessee, right? Yes, it is. That is so, because here in Canada, I, I get the impression that it's completely opposite. In the rural areas, people value the animals more than um, than in the urban areas. So that's that's interesting to know that it's opposite down in Tennessee. Yes, yes. And, you know, maybe, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, especially in the South. And, you know, they value, I'm not, I don't want to say everyone, you know, feels yeah. that way, but I think people value animals, you know, working animals when it comes to livestock and, you know, gotcha. dogs, hunting dogs. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the mixed dogs that, you know, they didn't say neuter, so their dog, you know, you know, mingled with another, and then there's mixed dogs, we'll see, you know, a lot of people take them out to the country road and dump them or just take them to the shelter or they end up being strayed. So it's one of those things. It's kind of sad to see, but, you know, there are people that do value animals and, and you want to kind of work with those people and, and have local adoptions. But unfortunately, you kind of see all of the, a lot of dogs go up north where there's a lot more, you know, spay and neuter laws and, and more strict kind of responsible owners that, you know, that do spay and neuter and that provide indoor homes and, and things like that. Wow. Well, hopefully, well, the weather in Tennessee is not too bad. So hopefully the, the winter doesn't, that are the strays. So how do you differentiate right. yourself from being a rescue organization? Because it seems like you do more than one approach, which is good. Right. Um, which is different. And so I figured, you know, with obviously getting animals into fosters and adopters, but also networking with other rescues. So kind of joining mm. our efforts and, you know, working with rescues in the South, in the North, um, you know, letting them know about the animals that are there. There's a lot of dogs, you know, whether it's purebred, lapped, um, you know, Pekingese or any kind of breed that people would actually fly or drive several hours to go and adopt. They're just sitting in these pounds because no one knows about them. So I want yeah. to, you know, let other rescues know about them too. So I kind of I work with other rescues and, and I have actually a dog, two dogs going on a pilot and pause transport later this week. Probably do that at least, you know, maybe once or twice a month. Some dogs, you know, go up north to Wisconsin, Maine. So there's everything. There's uh, actually a dog that went to New Jersey last week. So um, just kind of a combination of efforts, whether it be the foster adopt situation with my own organization, the dogs that yeah. I personally foster. Or so you find you find the fosters foster. that can take them temporarily. Correct. Correct. So okay. I'd like the best situation is to get them into a foster home right out of a shelter or a pound so they can acclimate and they can be quarantined and they can get all of their necessary vetting. A lot of times, mm-hmm. though, that's just not possible. It's trying to get them an adopter because there's no open fosters and, you know, yeah. they need to get out of that shelter or they're going to be euthanized. Wow. And you take care of the vetting? I do. I do pay for the Ooh. vetting and that's how the, uh, you know, adoption fees do cover some of it. Some, uh, unfortunately, okay. the, you know, the vetting is, is more expensive than the adoption fees, especially for heartworm treatments. And there's a lot of heartworm positive dogs. So that's where, that's where my job comes in. <laughs> I yeah. work time and, and most of it, it pays for, for rescue efforts. Yes. Oh, so you have, this organization is separate from your full-time job or is this your full-time? 
Yeah, no, it's separate. It's a completely it's a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's my passion, and I actually pay to rescue. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, sure I work a full time job. I'm, uh-huh. I'm uh, I have a, a bachelor's in accounting and a master's in finance, and I'm a manager of partner compensation in a finance department. So, yeah, I do. I work full time and and do this full time plus. Wow. <laughs> so sometimes it's a good you know eighty hours a week, but it's wow. definitely worth it when you see all of the the stories and the things that we accomplish. Yeah. Well, at least you're financially organized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you work with the two that, that are in Tennessee that you mentioned? Oh, yes. Yes. I go down there every weekend. That's one of the shelters that I oh, visit okay. and that I take pictures and I, you know, there's a couple dogs that they actually let me put there last year because I found them on log chains, um, you know, emaciated. So I go and make sure that I get them to run time and everything at the shelter. But yeah, they're basically, I call them my sisters. They're 60 uh, years old, but you know, they've kind of adopted me as part of their, their Redfern family and they're keeping on and, and they're very, you know, strong, strong women to work full-time jobs when the teacher wants a nurse and then to take care of over 200 animals it's, it's Jeez, a lot of work really that i can't even imagine 200 animals yeah. oh my gosh yeah. yeah but it's good that you guys are are uniting because like I, I mentioned the rescue industry is a bit segregated so it's really good that you guys are working together and I've kind of joined Gosh. with, you know, several several different shelters and pounds throughout the, the counties in West Tennessee. So almost every single pound and shelter that is down huh. there in those areas in Carroll County and Weekly County, um, I have a relationship with. So I go down there every weekend going shelter to shelter to shelter. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, if there's any animals that me- and that are um, being adopted that I've already done the home visit for and the process on my end for adoption, then I bring them back with me. So I've had 12 in the car at one time or in my SUV I need to get a van (laughs) yeah so but that's a good weekend you know when you know that all of those animals are being saved in the right way you know like everybody is different there's rescue like you said segregated I believe in home visits I think that that's important to make sure that the animals are going not only to a safe good place but also to the right family that the family is gonna you know this is a forever fit for this dog or cat you know or any kind of animal rather than going down the line you know a few months and then saying, oh, this isn't right. So. Jeez. Now, out of curiosity, because at some point I do want to take on the approach of finding fosters. How do you find right. fosters to take them in temporarily? Right now, I post on the Facebook page, and obviously they'll be posted on the website too. And I do have like a paw site through Adopt-A-Pet, and it's nice because there's the adoption application, foster application, all of those uh, things are right there. there. So all you have to do is click on it. But, you know, it's really, it's posting through social media. Really? Facebook, and yeah, just in kind of asking, you know, will you foster and get these animals into a temporary situation so they can be saved and be adopted. And it's word of mouth. Previous adopters will say that they've been watching this page and they see the dog that they just, their heartstrings were pulled and they really want to help mm-hmm. that dog and they could do it temporarily. They just don't want to really adopt another. So it gives them an opportunity to help that animal and, and also kind of foster and have another animal in their home for a short amount of time for their, their other animals to play with. Wow, that's good that you're successful. I find that um, rescue organizations here have a hard time with social media. So it's good that it's working for you. It still is difficult. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, it's definitely difficult. And obviously, I'm a, I'm a foster myself for, for my organization. So I'm usually the one with several <laughs> dogs and several cats yeah. and everything. And just trying to make sure that I don't go over that line of being a hoarder. So, Too much. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see <laughs> your Facebook fun post. at my house. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, at least you you have the space. I'm assuming right. <laughs> since you're out there, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I see your Facebook post, and it's uh, and it can be hard to see uh, so many dogs on the brink of euthanasia, and it's just unnecessary unnecessary really but do you have a couple really happy endings that's memorable for you i like to focus on the good not the bad so (laughs) sure no i understand i mean and there's a lot of bad but there's a lot of good too so that's no problem there's a couple you know there's a lot i'm not gonna just to think about two off the top of my head one is stormy she's a, a shepherd husky mix and she came into the shelter with another dog, and maybe it was because she was separated from him, but she was just terrified. She was at uh, one of the rural shelters, Till Shelter, and she would not, she, she would just lay in her kennel, cower, and not really want anyone to touch her. If you tried to put a lead on her and walk her, she would just plant her feet right in the ground and not walk. She was just terrified, and it seemed like, oh, goodness, if she'd been abused. And, and it's not always the case that an animal has mm. been abused just because they do that, but it's because they're in a new environment they're scared they you know all the dogs barking all the the smells and just the everything is is overwhelming so anyway i did have a family that saw her that said you know oh my goodness she's beautiful we would really like to come meet her they drove all the way from north like gallatin area so um, past nashville down to camden west tennessee and probably took them about two two and a half hours at least and they were waiting out in the play yard they had a high-functioning autistic son who was a little afraid of dogs. So uh-huh. kind of like, okay, how is this going to work, right? Well, and the stormy wouldn't walk out on the lead, of course. So I had to carry her out. Jeez. But I put her in the play yard, and, you know, the family was a little distance away. And she really, I mean, usually I think that I'm pretty good with dogs, but she, she just didn't even want me to really pet her. She was just like, okay, you know, I'd rather stay in the corner. But the little boy walked over, and I wanted him to be careful, so I kind of yeah. introduced them. And he asked for the lead. And which is so strange because he and I did the home visit and he was, you know, they have a couple little dogs that he just wasn't comfortable with. Yes, for Lee, he started walking her and she went along with him. He was like, it was just the most beautiful thing. And I don't have it on camera. I do have some videos of her in her new home, but I don't have that on camera. And it would have been like, I mean, you would have been crying. It was just amazing. So to see that, you know, he was petting her. She was walking and following him around the whole play yard. So that was amazing. And he's in her home. She They go for walks all the time now. He walks her. They have a beautiful life together. So that's She became one. a therapy dog. <laughs> yeah, really? basically. You know, but and, uh, and he was nice. therapy for her too. You know, they needed each other and it was just wonderful. So, and he's about eight years old. So, you know, he's going to get to grow up with her and, and have that bond. So it's beautiful to see. But another, there's a pit bulls. There's so many pit bulls, more than any other breed. Pit, and pit bulls are euthanized, and especially, you know, either purebred pits that are, are black or brindle or, you know, the blues do get a little bit better adoption rates. But anyway, a blue pit, he, he had his ears cut, and he was, he looked to be in good shape, other than his teeth were all cracked. I mean, he had no front teeth. They were all just broken in half. So I'm not sure what happened to him, but he was just awesome like ambassador of the breed really good with people really good with dogs and i 
knew that I just wanted to, you know, pull him right away. So one of the shelters actually let me kind of put him there temporarily to get him out of the pound. So he had more than just three days. And I found an adopter pretty, pretty quickly with him. And he is, he sleeps on the couch, he sleeps on the bed. He's, he's uh, <laughs> with two young kids right now. I mean, the videos of, you know, him with the kids is just, it's amazing. So to see that, it That's really, good. you know, it, it makes you get up again the next day and do it all over again. Yeah, yeah, I, I do endorse pit bulls because I do babysit one. And at first oh. I was, I was uh, nervous. <laughs> But after a while, <laughs> now I'm attached to it because it's one of the best paved dogs that I have come across. So pit bulls, yeah. I, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, when, when I was younger and I first started in volunteering and rescue, I was a little afraid too. I'm not going to lie. I just, you know, the stereotypes and just the common, you know, misconception of them. But I adopted one and she completely changed my view. I just, you know, I started getting involved with pit bull specific rescues and Aww, um, being you. a pit bull advocate. So, yeah, it's really good. They definitely are a product of their environment. And, and we, you know, yeah, we as, as owners, you know, we can, we can put them in a good environment and, you know, it's sad what people people do out there but I have four personal pits of my own rescues of course you do and they're yeah they're amazing and in addition to the fosters and I can have anywhere between five and eight fosters at a given time so and they're great with everybody it's amazing I small big everything they're just precious and I have a video of a couple of them on the Facebook page so when you get a chance you can take a look (laughs) I will so how would you like to evolve rare for the future where do you see yourself in like five years (laughs) You know, I really would like to see it branch out into more counties, you know, maybe other states, obviously a rural rural effort. So not just Tennessee. I mean, I'm in Tennessee. So the problem is it it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I'm the one that's driving to West Tennessee, doing the home visits and doing most of the fostering. So really want to get more people involved and see how wonderful the fostering is, see how amazing that these animals are so gracious for you to give them that second chance and and put them into a loving home where they've been abandoned before. So I really would like to to get some more volunteers, fosters, and um, get everybody to see the mission. And right now, I am helping a shelter that has no roofing or their kennels. They literally have some dog houses. Some of them are makeshift dog houses out of wood. And like you said, winter is coming. And um, there's it's not too bad in Tennessee. It's not like Buffalo, what I'm used to, oh, but yeah. there's still hail and rain and, um, you know, it gets pretty cold. So what I'm doing is I have a fundraiser and it's on the, the Facebook page. It will be also on a website that okay. people can donate to help try to get some roofing. It's about $3,500 for all the materials. I have the yeah. labor. I have some, a local school, that fraternity, and their alumni people are going to come together and help us build it. So we just need the materials and that that's something that I want to do for other shelters as well, you know, so hopefully I can kind of branch out and just keep helping and saving more lives. Well, I do hope that you achieve all your goals plus more. Yeah, I'd love to see you expand and take control of all the rural areas. <laughs> At least that's covered, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, eventually, maybe. I'm, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm putting it out there for you, Trisha. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. We are out of time. So if you'd like to know more about Rare, you can visit her new website, ruralanimalrescueeffort.org. Said that right, Thank right? you, <laughs> Yes. And check out her Thank Facebook so as well. Probably. You're welcome. Thank you to our guests and our show producer, Mark Winter, for making the show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. 
Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.